hello 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 i know it's been a few days um i had a lot of stuff going on it's been a hectic week um just a lot of things uh that i was trying to sort through and just try to you know handle but i am back today with something that hit me like a ton of bricks and uh so here it goes real conversations so um I'm feeling good today. I actually went to speak to my therapist and, you know, we had a good conversation and, you know, in that, in the midst of that conversation, uh, some things revealed itself to me and I had to sit with it and I really had to evaluate it and say, wow, you know, um, I always say that there's a lesson and a blessing and and so, you know, I'm in a, such a good space and a good place with my relationship. And my partner is amazing. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's absolutely amazing. And then I had to sit and think. I said, wow. I said, this is my first real relationship. And then I said, no, you know, this is your first relationship not a real relationship, your first relationship. And I say that because my partner, you know, he came in my life and from the very beginning, you know, he stated his purpose. He was intentional. Uh, he's been consistent. He's been nothing but stable. I really didn't have to question um, or kind of, you know, look at him in, in a mistrustful way. Um, not saying that it was perfect, but you know, yeah, we had a little hiccups here and there, but nothing that couldn't be repaired, nothing that couldn't be fixed. And that was one thing we were, we always, we, we were at a point where we, we were so open and we communicated about everything. And even if we didn't disagree, we fixed it quick. And so we could move on. And that's one of the great things that I love about being in this relationship that, you know, we're able to communicate with a level of wisdom, maturity and understanding. And, you know, we both know the purpose that we serve in each other's life. And because we both lead um, and speak from a place of love, we're able to intentionally be that for the other person. So when I look back, I said, you know, I never really, I, I can't even call the things, the situations that I was in, in the past relationships because they weren't, um, you know, there was no trust. There was no real love. Uh, there was no communication. There was, when you look back on it, it really were a bunch of empty situations. So when I really, really started to process it, I said, you know what? I can't call them relationships. At first I was saying, you know, those were experiences, but then I said, no, nah, those weren't really experiences. Um, those were more experiments. And I said, yeah, you know, the things that I've been through in the past dealing with men, they were all experiments. And when you come up with the formula or you finally say, okay, this is the right mix. Um, now you can move forward. And so I look back at my experience, my experiments, and it taught me, even though they were painful, 
even though they took me to some negative dark places, I said, you know, as an experiment, you know, you're going to get burned. You know, everything is trial and error. You know, you don't know, you know, you're ignorant, you're naive to some things. And, you know, when you start to conduct an experiment, you say, okay, well, I need this and I need that. Let me put this and let me try this and try that. And you keep trying to figure out how to tweak it. So before I met my boyfriend now, I actually sat down and I wrote a list of all the things that I wanted in the man that I allowed in my life at this phase. And then in the same moment, I wrote next to it, the things, the qualities that I wanted this man to bring out in me. And, um, and I'll tell that story at another time. But when I met my boyfriend, uh, it was like an instant connection. It just flowed. It just felt so natural. It was organic. It was authentic. It was just, it just clicked. And after we spoke, um, after we spoke, you know, the first time we spoke, we literally was on the phone for like over three hours. And he prayed at the end of the call. And the hairs on my arm just stood up. And I said, oh my God, what is this? I never felt this before. Then I heard a voice in my head say, mm-hmm, I think you found your husband. And then in the same instant, I went and I got the list that I had created like a year before. Now, I prayed for this man. I knew what I wanted my relationship to look like. I knew what I wanted it to feel like. But I was just like, well, you know, I, I'm just not, how am I going to, like, I just didn't really think that it, I prayed for it and I wanted it, but I didn't think it existed, which is the crazy part. Like, I prayed for it. I knew what I wanted, but because I was so conditioned because of all the experiments that I went through, I just really didn't think that it existed. And so as I moved forward, you know, getting to know my boyfriend every day, I intentionally, you know, we ask questions. We, we, I mean, it was really intense in the beginning stages um, of when we started dating. And he literally, and I had a long list, I ain't gonna lie. The list was long, but he checked off everything on my list. Even to this day, I'm still shocked. Like, I, I'm like, you're just too good to be true. And I'm so conditioned to think that, okay, something wrong. We just waiting for something to happen. Uh, okay, I see a little something over here. But then I had to sit back and I said, Belisa, you prayed for this. This is what you wanted. You know, now it's time to do the work. You know, you wanted a relationship, you got it. And I'm going to give it to you. Now you have to put yourself in a position to receive it. So I had to sit back and I embraced it. And when I say I absolutely enjoy my partner, we enjoy literally everything together. And it's good to be in this space. And we and we joke and we laugh and we say, you know what, if it, if it doesn't work out, at least I got to experience this level of love, this level of commitment, this level of peace. Just 
just being in the presence of this. So, yeah, just being in the presence of this type of mature love is I'm it's just a beautiful space to be in. You know, some people live their whole lives and never really experience this type of love. So I take nothing for granted. I am so grateful. You know, so I'll leave you with this. You know, sometimes in life you don't know where, you don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know why. But when you trust in God and you become obedient to his word, and when I say obedient to his word, when he comes and he talks to you and he tells you certain things and you hear his voice, you have to be in a space to discern what he's saying. And I I say, I had to go through the experiments because I don't think I would have ever been in a place where I could receive my partner, my boyfriend, my friend, my lover um, in this way. And so now that I have him, I fully appreciate him. And because of him, I can now receive love the way I want to receive love. But now I can give love the way I know I'm capable of giving love. It can be a bit scary, but I felt completely safe. I completely trusted him. I was completely open and vulnerable. And I I, I never experienced that. And so... That for me is like, okay, I know he's the one. So we're taking our time. You know, we, we, you know, we both been through some things and, you know, we're not rushing. But I absolutely cannot wait to finally get to that point where we can look back and tell our story and be like and, and be that inspiration for people to say it, it can exist. It does exist. You know, you just got to pray for it and be intentional, you know, work on it. And when you align yourself, um, it'll happen. Because the funny thing is, he's nothing like my type. He's nothing that I would ever have looked at in the past. He's nothing that I thought that was for me. You know, the things that I was looking at was not for me. You know, I experimented, I tried, I did this, I did that. It just wasn't me. I never felt this comfortable ever with anyone. And so I know he's the one for me. So sometimes in life, you have to keep trying. You keep have you have to experiment. You know, you have to unfortunately go through some of the bad fruit, some of the bad situations. Some of the dark situations. Trust me. Trust me, I've been there. But to come out and to feel this level of peace and love and clarity, um, you know, I look forward to every moment, you know, with him. And I don't take a second granted. Um, it's beautiful. It's love. So... I encourage you all, keep experimenting, you know, 
you're gonna get burned you're gonna get hurt um you may have to go buy some new supplies and some new tools but keep experimenting it's so worth it it's so worth it to get to a point where you can if you live in this lifetime and get to a point where you can learn to you can love somebody um on that level it's all worth it the experiments they'll definitely give you the blueprint to creating the best formula for your life Talk to you later. Hello, 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 hello. Good afternoon. Um, hope everyone is doing well on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Today I'm back with another real conversation. So, um, for those of, you know, people who know me know that I have been, um, you know, going through this healing process of coming out of a very, uh, toxic relationship and, um, you know, a part of coming out of that toxic relationship is even though you are no longer with that person, there will be a lot of residual, uh, effects and things that come up and things that become revealed to you. Um, through your healing process and so I've tried to be very open and honest about you know the things that I've been dealing with um, with certain people and yes I am in therapy um, which is you know good which is good and so um, today's podcast is regarding um, a conversation that I was having with my best friends And um, I know they mean well, and I know they, you know, they didn't, you know, mean no harm by asking me or, you know, referencing anything, but um, it just kind of threw me off. And so we were having a conversation and it just so happened to be my kids, their father's birthday. And, um, you know, they kind of made a comment, well, it's his birthday, like they could at least text him. And, um, you know, at first it was like, no and then I felt the need to like justify my reasoning and then you know I thought about it throughout the night and then the next day um it just wasn't sitting well with my spirit so I had to just you know send my my friends my girls a text message letting them know you know that it wasn't sitting well with my spirit and you know that you know please don't question me regarding um anything that I do with my children uh regarding their father uh, because, you know, and I, and I fully, and I understand that, um, most people who have never experienced coming out of a narcissistic relationship, they don't understand the magnitude or they don't really understand the things that you endured in that relationship. And, um, because you're in it, you really can't process and see things, a lot of things for what it really is. Um, but it's not until when you come out of it that you start to put all the pieces together and it, it, it still doesn't make any sense, but all the things that they put you through and all the things that they did makes a lot of sense, especially when you become aware of narcissism and you realize how deep rooted 
and disgusting and evil and dark and wicked um, some of the things that they do to you. And a part of that narcissism is that they treat the people closest to them the worst. So in most cases, it would be the wife or the girlfriend. In my case, that would be me. Um, the main girlfriend um, and, you know, the children. And so out of respect um, for my kids and how they feel as a mother, it's my responsibility to protect my kids at all costs, um, even if it's against their father. Um, you know, because, you know, like I said, once you start to do your research and you have a better understanding of narcissism, you know, the different stages and the different things that they do between the lies, the manipulation, the constant cheating, the secrets, um, the love bombing, the gaslighting, the smear campaign where they have these delusional, um, these delusional conversations and talk about you, um, to people in such ways that's just so despicable and disrespectful. Like it's like you, it's like literally like sleeping with the enemy and living with the devil in your house. So I understand that most people don't understand that because they get a different version of the narcissist. They get the nice narcissist. They get they get the nice person. Oh, hey, good morning. How are you? Have a blessed day. Oh, sure. They'll help you with anything. They will go far and beyond and out of their way to help a stranger while leave you in your house struggling. They won't pay bills. They will drain you financially, drain you mentally, drain you spiritually. I mean, like literally suck the life out of you like a vampire. That's what it's like living and dealing with a narcissist. And, you know, just the level that they will go to, to inflict and intentionally, because they know how to turn it off and on. That's the bad thing about narcissists. Um, they know how to turn it off and on. So I, I kind of got upset um, at my friends a little bit because, you know, they just, even though we talk, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff and, you know, I never really want to play the victim. I never really want to be like, Oh, he did this to me. He did that to me. Um, because I, I do take some accountability and responsibility for it. However, um, and it's not even in my defense. I always knew that he had some type of mental health issues. Um, I always knew that there was something off with him, something wrong. Um, there were so many different things that I saw um, with him. And, you know, another part of narcissism is they don't want to get help. They think nothing is wrong with them. They don't take accountability. They don't take responsibility for anything that they do. They blame everybody for everything. Nothing is ever their fault. And so trying to get him to go to therapy, trying to get him help, trying to explain to him, because I work in the healthcare field. I've been in the medical field for over 20 years. So I've literally seen it all. And just trying to get him to a place where he could, you know, get help for himself. Um, just based on conversations and things that he said to me and things that he's done and the tantrums and the anger and the rages, um, you literally see the devil 
and there's no remorse there's no um there's no empathy because they lack empathy they lack love they're not capable of loving and so I always thought he was bipolar um so I said okay you know well let me try to you know get him some help maybe see if he and obviously that was met met with resistance um he would turn it around and say that I was mentally abusing him that I was um you know, just doing all these things. And, and he was, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, but just the intentional ways he tried to destroy me, um, is downright, you know, hurtful and disrespectful. Um, but you know, as a survivor, I'm a person, I wouldn't even say a survivor, a, a person who becomes aware once I, and it's crazy because I came across a post on social media. I'm not sure where. And uh, it was a woman talking about being in a narcissistic relationship. And some of the things that she was saying prompted me to do my research. And um, as I started to do research and started to do research and really look into narcissism, the shock that comes over you, the level of, oh my gosh, you know, you start to connect the dots and you start to put things together and you try to make sense of all the things that you went through and you just become numb and you never really know what it is until you actually um, start to process it because you can't believe that such evil and wickedness exists. You hear about it and you hear about, you know, and especially if you are a spiritual person, um, it, it, you can't believe that this person is just wicked and, you know, there's no medication for it. They're not going to change. They're going to stay the same. They're not going to get help. Um, so you, um, have as the aware person, have to make a choice you have to make a decision whether you want to stay in that chaos or whether you want to try to move on and and try to get your life back uh and try to get some kind of normalcy in your life not just for yourself but for your children and i had to make a decision and I, I chose to leave. And, um, you know, it was two years in the making. Um, because, you know, of course, he kicked, he pleaded, he screamed, he begged, he cried, he tried to manipulate. Um, you know, I got the gaslighting, the flowers, um, chocolate covered strawberries. Oh, we got to go out to dinner. Oh, we got to spend more time together. Oh, we got to have movie night. Oh, just whatever. He, oh, we have to be more intimate. Oh, we have to have more sex. Like everything he tried to do. And because I was already aware, I already knew what he was going to do. I mean, my house was filled with flowers. It looked like It looked like a funeral home. It literally looked like a funeral home. It was 
you know, to the point where my kids would come and say to me, Mommy, what did he do now? Because they knew every time he came in here and bought flowers or a bottle of wine or just whatever it was. And um, even even just buying a bottle of wine, oh, let's just chill, let's have a, you know, have some wine and, you know, drink and, you know, we could smoke and just chill. You know, whatever it was, you know, just to try to keep me in that space. Um, but once he realized that that was no longer working, um, that's when I felt the wrath. That's when the wrath kicked in. And I literally saw the devil horns come out. I saw the smoke out of the ears. Um, you get the silent treatment. You get the passive-aggressive tantrums. And, you know, it was so bad. Um, it was really bad. So, you know, not everybody will understand. Not everybody would, would get it. Because, again, like I said, they don't see that side of that person. They don't. They don't see the the craziness that you see and you know it's like when you know it's like who do you who do you tell who do you tell you know when you're in a relationship and you you're even sexually violated in a relationship or you just are verbally you know like how do you how do you prove that um you know mentally spiritually physically financially how do you it, it's just never ending and so I had to, once I became aware, I had to uh, get to a point and say, you know what, enough is enough. Like, you have to go. Um, even down to calling the police on me, um, it, it's just unbelievable the lengths that these narcissistic evil people will go, go to uh, because they're so selfish and they don't care about anything or anyone but themselves. So when my friends asked me, you know, why the kids didn't contact them, I said, you have to understand that my daughters, you know, they're fearful of their father. You know, that's hurtful. You know, no kid should ever be fearful of their parent, but he's so unpredictable and so irrational and can't control his emotions that my kids, they don't, they can't protect themselves in that kind of situation because what do they do you know the things that he said to them the things that he said about me to them you know the yelling and the just the rage they should not have to endure that and so it's by all right that I have to protect my kids and make sure that my kids are you know feel safe and feel comfortable and you know he would ask them inappropriate questions and you know put them in uncomfortable uncomfortable you know situations and um it's not right it's it's not right and you know it almost got to a point where I felt like nobody cared like nobody even picked up the phone to call me and say hey you all right you know how's the kids um like and and I know people don't feel like they need to be in your business or they feel like they don't want to intrude, but we have to build a community of caring and making sure that people are okay.
because it takes a lot of strength and courage to leave an abusive situation. So people have to get to a place where they're a little bit more uh, compassionate and understanding and just not become aware. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to become an expert on narcissism, but abuse is abuse. And um, once I really, really, really understood narcissism, and in some days it still blows my mind because it's just like, wow, like, this is, you can't get no other word to describe a person like that, but wicked and evil and just from the devil. Especially, excuse me, when you're a person who is filled with love and compassion and empathy and you you try to see the best in people and that's the thing that that you know empaths um narcissists like that they look for those kind of people they look for caring people and compassionate people and loving people and patient people because you have to have a high level of tolerance to deal with the highs and the lows of a narcissistic person and some can become violent and some, you know, we hear it all the time about men killing women and, you know, men um, doing things to women in the heat of the moment. And, you know, I have a situation, I have a couple of situations where, you know, I felt like that and I had to, you know, to go by my instinct and I had to trust my gut. Um, looking back at it, I'm so glad that I did. Um but trust your intuition. So my message today um, is to try to be more understanding um, of women who were in an abusive situation. Um, and, you know, people always ask, well, why didn't you leave? Or why did you do this? And why? Did... They have so many questions as to why. But nobody is asking the abuser, why are they abusing? Or why are they doing what they do? Or why are they doing what they did to their children? No one is holding the abuser accountable. Just the victim. Just the victim. Well, why didn't you just leave? Oh, why didn't you just... And, you know, my response is, this is my house. This is where I live with my children. Um, this is where I struggle and, and, you know, maintain and try to do what I can do because this is my house. Everything in here is mine. I shouldn't have to leave. He should leave. Simple. He should leave. And so, um, I did get to a point where I wrestled with leaving and, but then I would have to inconvenience my kids. I would have to inconvenience my life. And I was tired of being inconvenienced by this man. I was tired of giving him, I, I didn't want to give him another second of my life, another second of my time, another second to destroy, try to destroy me and my kids. So he had to go. Um, that can probably be another conversation for another podcast, but, you know, we have to stop blaming the person who was abused. Because sometimes you just didn't know. 
And I just didn't know what I was dealing with. I didn't know the extent of this narcissism. It's mind-blowing. It's, it's just, it's deep-rooted. Um, it's some deep effects from whatever happened to them in their childhood that they just refused to, and maybe they can't resolve it. Maybe it's a, um, a genetic thing. I, I don't know. You know, because his father is a narcissist to the max. And um, he's a narcissist to the max. The only thing he didn't do was physically hit me. But, you know, I, I feel uh, that could have been next. That could have been next. So I'm glad that I made the conscious decision to try to move forward with my life. Try to put my life back on track try to get my kids, you know, healthy, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, um, you know, they're girls, and for them to watch their father do the things that they did, that he did, um, is traumatizing, especially when they know that they have a good mother who's there for them, who, who goes far and beyond for them, and that's all they know, is they know their mother, and the strength of their mother to go through and endure you know, what I had to endure. So, you know, they're going to feel some kind of way about their father. They're going to feel some kind of way about men. They're going to have all of these things, you know, in their minds when they try to move on in their respective lives and possibly into relationships. And this is one of the main reasons why I'm pushing for therapy for them. Um, because there are good men out there. Um, there are good men that do exist. And I'm thankful that, um, you know, I was able to find, well, yeah, well, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm now in a, a much better relationship um, and that he's so patient and he's understanding and he's, you know, he's with me on this journey of healing and he's allowing me to heal um, through all of this. But, you know, just be mindful, you know, that and, and try not to be insensitive, you know, when somebody is coming out of an abusive relationship. It takes so much strength and so much courage um, to leave, to finally pick yourself up and say, enough is enough. I've had it. I can't do this no more. You know, it's called free will. We have a right to live a peaceful and a happy life. And whatever capacity that may be in, we have a right to not sit in any situations and endure that kind of pain, that kind of hurt. Um, my pastor preached a good word today, um, and I'm so thankful for her. Um, you know, so every day is a work in progress. Some days I have good days, some days I have my bad days, but you know, I, I my one of my friends did call me and you know, we spoke in detail about, you know, my, my, my text and I had to explain some things to her and I'm so grateful that, you know, she reached out to me and I was able to, you know, just release a little bit of something and, and let her know how I was feeling and what I was going through. Um, but you know, this journey is not over. Uh, I'm quite sure there's going to be some more chaos and something else that he's going to do or try to do, but this is where my prayer comes in and my faith in God comes in 
and just leaning on those um, in my, you know, in my corner and people who are supporting me through this journey. They know who they are and I love them dearly. And I'm so grateful for them in my life, you know, at this time. But um, surround yourself with, you know, goodness and, and people who mean well for you and who have good intentions and people who are willing to help you on this journey because trust me there's going to be some good days and there's going to be a lot of bad days um but the good will definitely outweigh the bad um just be mindful you know pray for those who are still struggling in those situations um who have yet to find their strength who have yet to find their courage to come up out of that darkness um those who are, you know, haven't gotten to a point where they can intentionally, you know, focus on trying to heal and move forward and live their best life, narcissist free. Um, yeah, so that's all I have for today. Just be mindful. Just be mindful and just, you know, don't look down or don't judge or don't critique. Just be there to support and just know that, you know, one day, whoever is struggling in that situation will get up and say enough is enough and just be there to support them through that journey. Just be there to say, I'm here with you. I got your back. I got your hand. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. Um, Because they need that. They need to know that they are supported and that they're encouraged and loved uh, because being in a narcissistic relationship for any period of time. And trust me, I was in that situation for far too long. Uh, I should have left a long time ago. Uh, But once I became aware, oh, that's when it hit me like, oh no, you got to go. And um, that's what I did. So just be mindful. Have a good one.